Welcome to Cornerstone Assembly of God's weekly sermon podcast. Thanks for joining us. You can head over to cornerstoneaog.com to find information on different ministries that we offer. Thank you for downloading. Now I think it's time we listen to this week's sermon. Scriptures through John chapter 14 through John chapter 17 is probably some of the greatest words of Jesus Christ. It's all in red in that area, by the way. And it's during the Last Supper that he's not speaking in parables. He's not speaking in stories. He just speaks plainly to them about what his design purpose was for coming to die for us. And he defines eternal life. And he defines that we have an eternal home. And he breaks off the orphan spirit and the prodigal spirit during those words that he speaks over his disciples and over us. So what I'd like to do is kind of jump through chapter 14 through 17 using Jesus' words about home and what he defines as home, not what we think home is and not what the world says is home and not what religion says is home, but what Jesus in his own words talks about, about eternal life and about home. And in John chapter 14, he says, I, I really don't want your heart to be troubled. I don't want you to be in anxiety. I don't want you to be in worry because I'm going to go away for a short time and I'm going to go to my father's home and I'm going to prepare for you mansions and then I'm going to come for you and receive you to myself. And there I am, there you will be forever. And Jesus begins to paint this picture of oneness between us and God, a family. And so, let me just read a few of these scriptures to you. I already mentioned John chapter 14, verse 1. Going through John 14 all the way to John chapter 17. And again, we're not going to go in depth. We would be here for days if we did that. But John chapter 14, verse 17, as he's going on telling us not to be troubled. Now think about that. He's about ready to go to the cross that night. He's going to be taken by the armies of and brought in and being beaten. And then that next morning he'll be put on the cross. And he's telling us, let not your heart be troubled. And then he says in John chapter 14, verse 17, the Holy Spirit, he's going to come and make his home with you forever. And again, he gives this picture of his spirit coming. And he goes on to begin to tell us that it's, it's important that I do what I'm supposed to do. And then I'm going to go away for a short time. Because this comforter, the spirit of the living God is going to come and live with you for all eternity. Again, a picture of home. In John chapter 14, verse 18, he says, I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. And then in verse 21, he says, I will passionately love you and manifest my life in you. Jesus is saying, I will passionately love you and manifest 
make known his life to you. By the way, I have yet in any of these verses that I've read, and I'll read a few, see that we have to come clean first or we have to do anything first other than to accept that love and that free gift. We can't earn this home. This home is a free gift for all eternity. But just like the prodigal that we watched, he had a home, but he walked away from it. You can have as much of that home as you want today. You know, I, I hear people say things like, how can a loving God have somebody go to hell? The real question is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and he gave every single person on the face of this earth a free gift of eternal life, a home with him forever. So how can someone be so stupid not to take that gift is the real question. God doesn't put people in hell. We do. We put ourselves there. In Proverbs chapter 19, there's a verse that says, a man will go and ruin his life and then blame it all on God. And so we've got a lot of people who don't understand or don't know the heart of God and don't even know this part of the scriptures that well about what Jesus is trying to say and speak to them before he goes to the cross. Again, Jesus replied, my father loves you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. This is the words of red in the Bible. Jesus is saying that he will love us so much that he will make us, you and I, his dwelling place. You are not an orphan anymore. You've got the spirit of the living God inside of you. And then he goes on into John chapter 15, and we all know that scripture about the vine and the branches. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read a couple of those verses. Because Je Jesus is trying to say, do you understand that when you, as a branch, stay in me, that you can do all things, that the two of us are one, united as one. A branch is going to die and wither up when it's by itself, but when the branch is in the, the trunk of the tree, it produces life because all the nutrients and the source of all things comes through that. And see, he says it this way, Jesus to us. The words that I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. So step into life union with me. For I have stepped into life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined with mine. Hmm. Wow. Home. Again, in verse chapter 15, he says it this way about him being the vine and we are the branches. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. He's telling us that the same love that God the Father loved his only begotten son who he gave away is the same love that he's loving us with. That same love is on each and every one of you. I know sometimes you don't feel loved, but it's not about feeling. It's about Jesus saying it's true and believing it. That's called faith. He loves you with an everlasting, unceasing, never-ending love. And then he says, 
let me let my love nourish your hearts. In verse 10, he says, if you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as I kept my father's commands. For I am nourished and empowered in his love. My purpose for telling you these things is that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts to overflowing gladness. Some people, they're wondering why the joy of the Lord isn't in them. Well, he just gave us the definition on how it can be there. When you allow that love, when you just allow him to love you and love on you and allow that love to get on you, it's going to bring joy into your life. Yeah, there'll be different circumstances, but you're going to go through them circumstances with joy. And he goes on to say, I'm going to fill you with a divine comforter. He calls the Holy Spirit the divine comforter. And we're just into chapter 15. Eternal home with God. So if we can put this, this next slide up, please, because I want to spend some time in John chapter 17. This is where we're going to spend a little bit of time here this morning. And I want you to see these words of Jesus. So I put them up on the board so you could actually read them with me. Now, Jesus is going to define for us eternal life here. He says, you have already given me authority over all people so that I might give the gift of eternal life. The greatest Christmas gift on Jesus' birthday was Jesus actually gave the gifts, and that gift was an eternal home with him forever and ever. You've been given eternal life. Now you can open that package and take it in, or you can just put it off to the side. I think Pastor Brenda was saying that last week about one of her Christmas elements was about the gifts. It's all up to you what you want to do with it. Listen to me. This is Jesus' words. Listen to me. Speak his words. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what your theology is. I don't care where your mind is at. This is what Jesus is saying is true. And it's faith to believe him. And he says, you have already been, excuse me, <clears throat> verse 2, you have already given me authority over all people so that I might give them eternal life to all those whom you have given me. Now he's going to give you the definition of it. Eternal life means to know and experience you. He's talking to God now. He's having a conversation with God the Father on purpose out loud. Does he really have to have a conversation on purpose out loud? No, he's doing it for our benefit so that these words would be penned so that the disciples would hear it. And he's saying, he's talking out loud to the Father. And he says this, eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God. And to know and experience Jesus Christ, the Son, whom you have sent. He has given you and I the greatest gift of a home, eternal life. And the definition of eternal life is for us to have faith, to believe, and to, be, to know him, to be intimate with him. We sang a song earlier about the presence of God. He's put his presence within us and is allowing us to have all of him if you accept it. That is the most beautiful picture of home that you'll ever see or hear. Man may let you down, and this world may let you down, 
but he will never leave you and he will never forsake you, he says in his word. So he gives us the definition of eternal life. Let's go to the next slide. And I'm going to jump to John chapter 21. It starts, or 1721. Let me start. I'm going to read in 20. I ask not only for these disciples, but also those who will one day believe me through their message. So this, what he's saying to God the Father is, I'm talking to these disciples right here. I'm talking to the people right in front of me right now. But also, what I'm saying is going to be for all those who believe from here on out. I'm paraphrasing that. but So this is for you. So he's talking directly to God for you. And he says this in verse 21. One day believe through me this message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. Jesus and God the Father are praying together that you and God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit would be one just as they're one. He's saying that I want you to be so close to me and so intertwined with me that you are one with me. That's the prayer of Jesus. The, the heart of Jesus is that he wants you to be one with him. More than you want to be one with him. Now, come on, I, I know that I seek after him. I want more of him. And it, it's more Holy Spirit, more of you. And we seek after God. And God's just saying simply this, hey, as you draw close to me, I'm going to draw close to you. You can have as much of me as you want. I've put myself inside of you. All you've got to do is yield and believe me. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to work at it. you just got to yield and believe me. I'm going to make my dwelling place, my home inside you. I'm going to manifest myself through you. These are words that he speaks through John chapter 14 through 17. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world would recognize that you sent me. Jesus' purpose for dying on the cross is so that, Zach, you get to be one with Jesus. Jessica gets to be one with Jesus. I get to be one with Jesus. The purpose was is that he brought us back into the family and says, I want you not only to be part of the family, but you're going to have the mind of Christ. You're going to have all the things I got. Matter of fact, in all that I've given Christ, you become joint heirs with. Everything that I have in my home is yours, and you are one with me. Is he saying that? I'm adding some of the other scriptures and making it more relevant, but is he saying that he wants us to be one with him? Does Jesus say this or not? Let's go on to the next slide. I believe it's verse 22. That's maybe verse 23. A lot of, I don't know if you can read that. I'll read it for you, but I'll start in verse 22. For the very glory that you've given me, I've given them, so that they would be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. What he's saying is, the same glory that is on God is on you. 
He's given us his glory. Now, I know I've mentioned this many times, so we'll go through it again, though. It does say in Isaiah that he shares his, no, his glory with, no, with not anyone. He will not share his glory with, with anyone. But I want to tell you, you're not anyone. You're his children. And he puts his own glory on you. And it says it right here that he's going to share his glory with you. You know, when, you, when they were talking about the Haiti children that were so happy and they didn't complain and, and they loved Jesus and they sang songs to, about the glory of Jesus and how they were just seeking the glory of Jesus. Yet we live in a society, and then he brought it up, you know, like if we don't make $50,000, we think, we're, you know, we're not middle class or something. And we get chasing the dreams of this world instead of the destiny and purpose that God has put in us and his glory in us. And we get off track. And we make Christmas this thing of, you know, if this doesn't happen or that doesn't happen. And as, as we leave today, you know, if we don't get to the best restaurant or if we don't go to this place or if we don't have this happen to us or whatever, that somehow our lives are set up and we start living our lives in such a way that we live it outside the glory. We live it outside the oneness with him. And even though you're Christians and, and we say we're Christians, sometimes we lose track of who we really are. Who we really are are those who've been born from above. It's called born again, but born into a kingdom of the everlasting God. Through the blood of Christ, we've been restored as children. And all that God is has been put into us. You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about how Moses, when he got a glimpse of the glory, how he had to put a veil over his face because he didn't want people to see the glory. And then that glory kind of went away because it was kind of a one-time thing. And it compares us into the New Testament how that glory should be unveiled and that the glory of Jesus, the glory of God should be flowing out of us. We call it light of the world and different things. But that the glory of God should be radiant and shining through us. Why isn't it? Because it's not on God's part that it's not. You can have as much of God as you want. If the glory of God is not radiating through you, it's because you're not allowing it to radiate through you. Don't blame it on God because you've messed up your life or you're not allowing the glory to shine through. And blame it on God as the scripture in Proverbs kind of indicates and quotes it that way. Verse 22, that he gave us his glory. Verse 23 up there. Again, we get in this picture of the family of God and what, what Jesus is all about. And he speaks clearly to him. He continues to speak clearly to God the Father in this dialogue in which he wants them to hear and which was penned so that we can all forever read it and see it. And it says this. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. God, I'm Jesus the Son, and you live fully in me. And I want to say right now that they will live fully in me. That's what Jesus is saying, isn't he? 
quiet on this one. All of Jesus you have been given. You didn't get a little tiny part. Or, oh, because I sinned today. Or because I didn't do these uh, penance. Or because I didn't read my Bible today. I only got a little portion of Jesus. Um, he's holding some back because I haven't been good. Come on, a lot of you think like that. Even I do sometimes, and i got to fight it off. You've been given all of Jesus, period, all of Jesus. What are you going to do with that? All of Jesus is in you. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed, and when you wake up tomorrow morning, all of Jesus is in you. And then he says, so that they will experience He's saying that this is something that you will experience. That's something you will actually can feel and touch. You will experience, he says, perfect unity. And that the world will be convinced that you have sent me. We will experience, actually feel, experience it. I know that the glory and, and all these things, it's not about feelings, it's about Jesus and about God, but he's saying that you're actually going to feel it. You're going to experience it. And all the glory that God has put on Jesus, Jesus is saying you're going to experience that same glory. Now, he's saying it. And because of that, what happens then, the world, not the, not the believers, but the world becomes convinced that he's real because they see the glory on you. They see Jesus. The world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. God loves you with the same passionate love that he loves Jesus. And you don't have to get clean to do it. He says, he sent his son to die for us while we were yet sinning. He loves you wherever you're at. You can't make him love you more right now. But we can allow him to shine through us more if we just yield over to his Holy Spirit. There is something we can do. And that's to let that love shine in us. That's to receive the love. That's to allow him to have full control. As it says in, in uh, Psalms 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me, and lead me into the ways of everlasting. That should be our heart's cry. Look at this vessel. Is there anything I'm doing to stop that glory to shine? And is there anything that I'm doing to allow, stopping your Holy Spirit to have free course in my life? Am I being teachable and trainable, Father God, so that you can put all of you, as you already have, in me in such a way that it will shine out, that I am not a blockage in any way. Is there anything that I've done in my life, Father, that's not allowing you to shine? I know that I can't earn your love. I know that you love me even in the state that I'm in. I just want to shine for you. I just want your glory to come out. I just want to love you. I want to glorify you. I want to praise you. Thank you for this gift. It's, I can't earn it. I can never do anything enough to give it. But I give you me. Take this vessel and use it for your glory. God's looking for you to yield in that way. Do you have the glory in you even if you're not shining it out? Yeah. 
Do you have the Holy Spirit in you even though you're not allowing him to teach you and train you? Yeah. But I can tell you it talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't quench the Holy Spirit of God. All of us have the Holy Spirit of God in us. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God and quench the Holy Spirit of God by putting a veil over him or by allowing him not into certain rooms of this vessel. Oh, you can, you can meet with me in the living room, you know, for a half hour a day, Holy Spirit. But now i got to put you back in the closet because I want to kind of bring out all the stuff that I don't want you to see in my life. And so we get into this word, well, I did my half hour in the morning. You know, now give me my life and let me do what I want to do with it. And all the Holy Spirit saying, hey, if you just yield all to me and don't put me in the closet, but let me have free course in your life. You'll have joy not only unspeakable, but the glory of the living God is going to shine out of you. And you're going to become so one with each other that one will put the flight a thousand to ten thousand. You're going to walk in purpose and destiny beyond your wildest dreams, beyond your biggest imagination. You will never think big enough in this day and age. Someday you will. But I've got such greatness for you. And I am the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and I live in you. And I make alive your mortal body. Now. So Jesus is saying all these things. Now again, I'm adding other scriptures here. Verse 24 says, Father, I ask that you allow everyone you have given me. What's that say? I know it's small, but someone's got to get it. He is saying, I want you to allow everyone that you've given me to reign at my side. Now that is kind of small. Wow. Let me read it again. Father, I ask you to allow everyone that you've given me to reign at my side, or our side, I'm sorry, I said it wrong, at our side. He's saying, let them reign with us. For I want them to be where I am. For they will see my full glory. Wow. The very splendor you have placed upon me, because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous father. But the unbelieving world has never known you in that perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. This is something that we need to access by faith and know and understand, have an intimacy with. Again, that word know through the Greek means an intimacy type know. When you look at it in the Old Testament, it, it like Adam, how he knew his wife. When you look at the word know, K-N-O-W there, it's not like our English know but to have an intimate relationship, no. And that's what he's saying. I want you to know me. I want them to know and understand. I want them to be intimate and understand these things. The reason why he's telling us stuff, because he wants us to be intimate with it and understand it. You have been called into a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the king of the universe for all eternity, and he will make you his dwelling place, and he will put all of his glory in you. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit, and he's given you a great task and purpose while you walk on this earth. And when we, when we kind of, our life on this earth is but a vapor, but appears for a short time and vanishes away, when we go on to be with him forever and ever, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't understand everything that we'll be doing. We might be, hey, galaxies in our hands. I don't know. But it's going to be cool because you are going to be one, on, one in unity with him. Again, this is Jesus saying this. Let me go on. And I will continue to make you even more real to them. What he's saying is, I want to continue to work in them. I want to conform them into my image. I want to continue to work in each one of them and continue to make them even more understanding, make it more real to them. That's my purpose, Father. So that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. Your love will now live in them even as I live in them. What a picture of our God. Again, through the words of Jesus. And I can go on and on and on. But do you get it? Do you understand who you are? You're not an orphan. And even as a prodigal, he's saying, hey, come home. Why would you live in this world, in the pig pens of this world? Why would you go off and when you've got God himself, the almighty king of the universe, who's restored you back into his family and saying, come on, we got great and exciting things. There is no, no high in the world. I know I've said this before, but I think we had a bumper sticker like this. There's no high like the most high. Now, people will go out and get drugs and get, do all these things, but there's really no high like the most high. He wants to take you into the highest realms of all eternity where you can see joy unspeakable in, within you where things are just so radically beyond where we can think or go. And I'm saying that there's so much that can be accessed that still hasn't been touched out of heaven. Uh, there's songs up there that need to be pulled down. There's inventions that need to be pulled down out of heaven. I know that he's already got the answer for the, the gasoline crisis, and he's already got the answer for the radical Islam that's going on. He's got all the answers because when heaven invades earth, the kingdom of heaven touches things. And there's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no war in heaven. Come on. And that's who's inside of us. So all of heaven is already inside of us. So wherever we lay our feet, the kingdom should just expand over that area. And when we allow his words and his revelation wisdom to saturate us, and we begin to speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, things change in the physical realm. Everything that God has, this might sound kind of radical to you, but everything that God has, he's given you. And all the glory that God has, he's given you. It says it right there. The only question now is, what are you going to do with the gift? What are you going to do with that gift? He's saying, come home. Come home to me. If you can bring, put up the last slide, I'm going to close with this. You may have felt like a prodigal. You may have felt unloved. You may have even felt like an orphan sometimes. You may not have felt like you've had all the glory of God in you. You may not feel like the Holy Spirit has been given to you at times. But he has been. 
You are not an orphan. But a great comforter, the Holy Spirit of the living God, lives, rules, and reigns in your life. And I saw this picture in Ephesians once. I just want to share it with you. This, he unfolded this picture, but it, it shows this picture of the Holy Spirit being, being given to each of us, almost like a down payment, like, a, like a, an attendant who's preparing you for the great wedding feast that's about to take place where you and Jesus become one for all eternity. And so the Holy Spirit's whole purpose is to radically mold you and shape you. As he's already given you all the wedding gifts. He's already made you his bride. And he's saying, I want you to like get it. And I want to adorn you in the robes of righteousness. And I want to give you the, the ring of his seal. And I want to give you the things and let you see. And so the Holy Spirit's there just pouring this stuff into us and saying, if you just yield over to me, come on, why would you wear those filthy rags of this world? When I want to give you the robes of righteousness. Oh, I, I, they're free. They're, you can't... You don't have to work for me. I just want to give them to you. Will you take them? No, I'm sorry. I've had enough uh, time and devotion. This morning. I, that's, I'm sorry. I'm not going to think about it. I got stuff to do. I got to go to work. You know, I got to go take care of this. I got to go take care of. And we go off and think that somehow that get a little church, you know, get a little Thursday night prayer meeting maybe. Go off and do a few things for God. Get, get my ties and offerings, but don't you mess with the rest of my life. And God's saying, I poured everything into you and gave up my very best so that you can have all of me. Why won't you receive me? Why won't you receive me? Jesus is speaking about the everlasting gift that he gave. And so as we finish this Christmas season and this message on the elements of Christmas, the greatest element of all is God so loved the world that he gave to you, his only begotten son, so that you could have eternal life, to come home with him and be with him for all eternity. And he just lavishes all of himself on us and says, I've redeemed you out of slavery. I've redeemed you out of death. And I brought you home. Why would you want to return to that stuff? And sometimes we just break the heart of God with our propensity to just want to play in the world. Many years ago, I saw a picture in the prophetic realm. God was showing me this picture of a beach. And on the beach, well, thousands of people were making sandcastles. And they were busy making their sandcastles. And the waves would come in and take out part of their sandcastle. And they'd get better, you know, fast, better at it, you know, and maybe... You know, digging around, and there's all these buckets, empty plastic buckets and empty kid shovels on the sands. And the Lord showed. He says, that's what most of you are busy doing, playing in the sand, building sand castles. And I just want to put all of my glory in you 
and touch nations. It's time to put away the buckets and the little shovels. Quit making our sandcastles in the sand in our own flesh. And allow the power of the living God to touch our lives. For you're only here for a few short years. And every single one of us are going to give an account on how we allowed the Christ within us to shine unto other people. So if I could have uh, Amy come up and begin to play. Um, I just want today to have you understand that you don't have to walk in an orphan spirit. I don't care how much the world has hurt you. And it has. And it will. And believe me, if you live long enough, if you haven't been hurt badly by people yet, you will. We don't judge ourselves by how the world treats us or how others treat us. We've already been judged guilty, but the righteousness of the king of the universe has taken our place and died for us so that we may be judged righteous in his eyes. Righteous in his eyes. You are righteous in his eyes. When he sees you, he loves you. When he sees you, he sees himself. He sees Jesus Christ. Today at the altar, as we finish up with a, a time at the altar here, I just call you all into that place of intimacy with him, of oneness with him, of allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you and train you and mold you and shape you. He's calling each of us home to him. And his greatest home is you. You are his dwelling place. So if I can have everyone stand as we close today. Thank you.